Oh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, the 80th episode of the podcast. Whoever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it is via SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I want to thank you for making me part of your day. Host Daryl Dominique Lane, as always. Okay, I got a great show for you. Two good interviews. We're going to have Nathan King, sports editor for the Auburn Plainsman of the Auburn Tigers student newspaper. We're going to talk to him about Auburn's Final Four run, right? Going to play Virginia uh, this Sunday. Going to talk to him about that, Auburn's chances, you know, their whole season, uh, about head coach Bruce Pearl. Also going to have a former Tennessee Volunteers All-American basketball player Howard Wood on the show. I haven't had him on in about a year. Uh I always love having him on. Last time he came on, really gave a lot of good insight. Going to talk to him about the NCAA tournament as a whole, what he's thinking, what he's thinking about Auburn, all the other teams, and what are his picks uh, to win the championship. But first, here's where I want to start, right? So, Rick Buecher for Bleacher Report reported that uh, on Wednesday that Kevin Durant to the New York Knicks, it's a done deal. And there are people that I believe, and, and it's like in life, like, you know people, when they tell you something, you're like... I can take that to the bank because they know what the hell they're talking about. Then there's other people that come up to you and you know who they are. They say, you know, hey, uh, this is going to happen. Hey, maybe you should watch out for this. And you're like, you're full of crap. Right? Right? So there's certain people when you wake up in the morning about to go to work, get your coffee in, watching the weather, right? Seeing the weather channel, weather report, right? Some people say, hey, it's going to be all sunshine. Then it's raining. And you're like, okay, no not to trust that dude. And then it's like, hey, is it going to be sunny? And it turns out it's sunny 90% of the time, right? It's uh, trustability, right? It's knowing that they'll always give you the good information. And that, and it's like that in sports. There's people that are credentialed, right? NBA reporters, NFL reporters, MLB reporters, uh, hockey reporters. Uh, for every sport, people that have context, people that know what they're talking about. For example... When Adrian Wojnarowski reports something, chances are it's going to be right. It's different from Joe Blow from the the San Jose B, right? The San Jose B. It's it's different from that. When somebody like Rick Buecher, respected NBA reporter, reports something, you know, hey, there's something to it because then what comes into play? It's your credibility. It's your reputation. And I guarantee you, Kevin Durant, one of the biggest names in sports, the biggest name, one of the biggest names in the NBA, plays for the biggest team in the NBA, probably the biggest draw of any team in the NBA. It's the Golden State Warriors, the most the most dynastic team in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors. He's not putting that information out there if he hasn't fact checked it, fact checked it again, talked to multiple people, right? He's not going to do that. And we know there's been a firestorm around Kevin Durant. Will he stay in Golden State or, when he, or will he leave? People were talking about that this offseason, this past offseason. Will Kevin Durant stay? The Warriors are going to entice Kevin Durant to stay with their new arena. Kevin Durant, Draymond Green controversy. Draymond Green calls Kevin Durant the B-word. This has been brewing for a long time. And listen, when there's smoke, there's fire, right? When it, walk like, when it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it ain't a damn mongoose. There's something to the story. I guarantee you, right? Kevin Rant, probably in all likelihood, does not want to go back to Golden State. And you might say, why? Oh, my God. How could you say this? How could Rick Buecher say something like this? Well, you want to know what? Yes, Golden State is the most dynastic team in the NBA going right now. Yes, Kevin Durant's won back-to-back finals MVPs and will probably win a third straight finals MVP in a third straight ring. But... Winning obviously hasn't brought him happiness because he's arguing with 13-year-old boys on Twitter, <laughs> right? When you're a 30-year-old grown man who's a millionaire and who's one of the most popular people and one of the most successful people in his field, yet you're a field that needs to argue with a 13-year-old on Twitter who you don't even know and is probably just doing it because he ditched class and wanted to try to get an at back by Kevin Durant, you know that you're not too happy in your life for some reason. I would just assume that. And I think that's something safe for you to assume, right? You know, like, that's not normal. That's not normal. 
How many people, how many of you out there, you feel the need to argue with children over social media? How many of you feel the need to do that? Maybe you'll argue with somebody your own age. Maybe you'll argue with somebody older than you. But to argue with somebody younger than you, not even that, substantially younger than you, somebody that can't legally drink, somebody that can't even legally drive, can't even sign a paper on their own. Yet Kevin Durant feels the need to argue with them. Why? Because... It's been the talk of town. It's been the noise since Kevin Durant signed with Golden State. Stephen A. Smith said, and I quote, weakest move by any NBA superstar in history. Kevin Durant, you're just riding the gravy train. Kevin Durant, you couldn't do this if you didn't have Steph, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson helping you. Kevin Durant, LeBron James is still the best player in the NBA, even though you've beat him head-to-head -head in the last two finals. Kevin Durant, you're soft. Kevin Durant, you're overrated. Kevin Durant, you're only doing this because you're in Golden State. You know what? The talk is more about what Kevin Durant hasn't done. It's been more negative than it's been positive, which is amazing. Kevin Durant, the Warriors have a better record when Steph, when you're off the court and Steph Curry's on the court. Steph Curry's the actual most valuable player on the team. People say, and I think this is asinine, people say Steph Curry is better than Kevin Durant. Earlier this year, Max Kellerman's arguing that Kevin Durant might not be a top five player in the NBA. You don't think that gets to Kevin Durant? You don't think Kevin Durant maybe? hey. I already have my championships. I've secured my legacy in NBA annals. Why not go to New York? Team up with my friend Kyrie. Get back in the weaker Eastern Conference. Kyrie Irving? Kevin Durant? Get Zion Williams the number one overall pick in the draft? That's a squad right there. Dave Fisdale as that coach? That's an interesting team. That's a very, very interesting team. And Boston gets weaker because Kyrie would go to New York. But that becomes a very interesting, interesting scenario. Right? Then we know what Kevin Durant could do. Kevin Durant could start being compared to LeBron. They don't act like Kevin Durant doesn't think about this type of stuff because Kevin Durant wants the same treatment and adulation and respect as we, as people in the media, as fans, give to LeBron James. That's what Kevin Durant really wants. And you want to know what? You would start talking about Kevin Durant more like if he was like LeBron James. I would if wins three championships in Golden State. Just like, you know, LeBron. Two championships in Miami. Goes to Cleveland. Wins a championship. Kevin Durant goes to New York, wins a championship. Wherever Kevin Durant goes, they start winning. They start going to the NBA Finals. They start going getting to rings. That's where you get in that LeBron James category. That's when we really start to discuss it. Okay, let's give Kevin Durant his due. Let's give Kevin Durant his credit. But right now, but right now, you're not and I'm not. And that's why this rebuke report, Kevin Durant to the New York Knicks, done deal is probably a done deal. It's something Kevin Durant probably thinks about. Whether the Golden State Warriors win or lose at these NBA Finals, in all likelihood, Kevin Durant will not return next year. And there's a reason for that. And that big reason, that reason, won LeBron James. You see, LeBron James is the most influential man in sports. Assuredly, and the most influential man in the NBA... Since 2010, when the decision happened, LeBron James left Cleveland for Miami. Remember, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Think about it that year. The Cavs, they won 60 games. LeBron James was regular season MVP, and he still left to a team that I believe was the fifth seed in the playoffs that year in Miami and got bounced by the Boston Celtics in an unceremonious five games. Now, since then, look, look what has happened. Kevin Durant leaves Oklahoma City. Game 7, Western Conference Finals. One game away from being in the NBA Finals. And he leaves that team to go to the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant now is looking at leaving a team that will win the NBA championship to a team of the New York Knicks that is competing for the number one pick in this upcoming NBA draft. LeBron James has done it over and over again, right? Left Miami after going to the Finals. Miami went to the Finals. In 2014, they lost to the Spurs. Then he goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that wasn't in the postseason the year before. Then LeBron James again. Cleveland, NBA Finals. They lose to the Golden State Warriors in four games. They're swept. LeBron James leaves and goes to the Lakers, a team that, again, huh, wasn't in the playoffs the year before. Now, you see this dynamic that's swirling around? What's going on? Kawhi Leonard has shown it, right? Leaves the San Antonio Spurs, one of the best organizations in the NBA, requests a trade. We're seeing this all throughout the NBA. 
And LeBron has made this cool. LeBron has made this okay. And that's why guys like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George have all followed it. I might be in a good situation. I might be winning. I might be winning regular season games. I might be going far in advancing in the postseason. I might even win an NBA championship. But if that's not what truly fulfills me, what truly makes me happy, then bump that. I'm going to leave. Kyrie Irving left the Cleveland Cavaliers after literally the year before they won an NBA championship. In that same year, they went to the NBA Finals, and he still requested a trade. He still requested a trade. You want to know what that tells you? LeBron James is having an influence. It's now okay to leave teams that are successful in the postseason, teams that are successful in the regular season, teams that you have success on, yourself individually, winning MVPs, going to All-Star games, all to fulfill yourself and all to be happy. Now, coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Star, we're going to have Nathan King on the show. Sports editor for the Auburn Plainsman. Going to talk to Nathan a lot about this miracle run, the Cinderella run, Auburn's have. Right? Auburn's the fifth seed, and Auburn's kind of become the Cinderella of the story, right? Texas Tech's a three seed, Virginia's a one seed, and Michigan State's a two seed. Auburn's the lowest seed, and they're a team that's historically been a low SEC team. They haven't been up there with the Kentuckys, the Tennessees, right? So I'm going to get Nathan's opinion on that spectacular Auburn run. Come next, after the break, on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports segment, very special guest with us, Nathan King, sports editor of the Auburn Plainsman. How you doing, Nathan? I'm doing great, How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Now, first I have to ask you about this final four run for the Auburn Tigers. Just talk about how did it happen. Did you see this happening at the beginning of the year with this Auburn team? No, for sure. Um, not, not a chance. I don't think anyone gave them. I remember last season um, when arguably their best player transferred over to St. John's. Um, a lot of people were saying that you know that there was no chance they were going to be able to make it farther than they did last year, which was a loss in the round of 32 uh, to Clemson. And then especially as of late year with the injury to Chuma Okiki, who was their best player this year, they just keep losing their best player every year. Um, then they were able to beat Kentucky and make it into the Final Four. Um, no, I don't think anyone expected this. I mean, they had the gauntlet set up of the three winningest programs in college basketball history in Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Um, and they just swayed all of them. And I don't think anyone really gave them much of a shot against the party over the Wildcats, but they just made it happen. Um, it, it, was, it was big on OTQ in those first two games. Um, he was big for the offense. Obviously, the three-point shooting um, was hot for them. That's kind of how Auburn rolls. That's how Bruce Pearls, you know, small ball, they're running young team. That's how they really work. Uh, against Kentucky, they only made seven three-pointers. They, they make normally around 11 to 12 a game. Um, and they didn't have Otiki to defend P.J. Washington. Um, it was just a lockdown defensive effort from them uh, in the second half. And, I mean, when you come down to it, it really is just the Bruce Pearl's wizard. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how he puts together these teams. Um, they just seem to play to all of their strengths, but that's what's happening here as of late. These guys are all playing their best basketball, and they're playing some inspired basketball, too, because you've got to imagine uh, with a guy like Otiki, you know, one of their one of their brothers they expect you to have for this incredible run, the best season in basketball, basketball history. Um, they're definitely playing for him since he's sidelined. He's actually undergoing his ACL surgery today. Yeah, now something that a lot of the Auburn players mentioned a, a couple of days ago was that, you know, the Okiki injury motivated them because I guess Kentucky fans were kind of making fun of the fact that he got hurt. How much do you think that did motivate that Auburn team when they matched up against Kentucky for the in the Elite Eight? sign that was going around hung up in, in front of the a Kentucky flat house. I don't really think, I mean, you can't really do anything about that. You know, that's, that's probably just one or two stupid people. Um, I know a lot of Kentucky fans were even um, upset about that. I, I think Kentucky fans, for the most part, are some of, you know, the, the more respected fans in college basketball. They've been through this thing a lot, so they were kind of mad about that as well. Um, I think the main motivation for them came because Okiki actually came at halftime. Um, he, he watched the game from his hotel in the first half because he wasn't able to sleep the night before. Um, the pain from them working on that leg and working on his knee and working on the injury was so bad that he, he wasn't even able to go to sleep. That's what Bruce Pearl said. So he 
hope you I mean with pain he's probably and I hope he would be on pain medication but uh so you know this Kentucky game right Kentucky's beating you know Kentucky's a traditional power not only in the SEC but in the country they beat in Auburn twice Auburn comes in the elite eight you know they they were winning you know then Kentucky comes back they storms back the game's in overtime now set the stage for me how does Auburn get it done in that moment Now, do you think the fact that Kentucky beat this team two times prior, do you think that gave them a little like, okay, you know, we've already played this team. We we know what they do, so we can match up with them now. Do you think that was a good benefit for this Auburn team? Now, you know, and, and you mentioned the fact that you didn't even think this was possible at the beginning of the year. But, you, you know, I, I guess when I started to become a believer of personally for me that hasn't watched Auburn play like every single game this year like you probably have, is when they shell-shocked North Carolina. And I was like, whoa, partly because it ruined my bracket. But then other I'm like, whoa, okay. You know, Auburn's pretty good. Like, what's what's going on? Because North Carolina's a real team now. How how much do you think that put shockwaves to everybody that you were talking to when you're like, okay, this opera team's for real. They just blow one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the craziest parts is that I think this was supposed to be North Carolina's year. You know, they had so many NBA players on that roster, and this was supposed to be Kentucky's year um, as well. These are absolutely loaded rosters. And then if you go back a few weeks, how about them beating Tennessee twice in the span of a week? You know, beating them at home on the last day of the regular season, their first top five win in like 20 years, and then they go and they shell them by 20 points in the SEC tournament finals. Um, the SEC tournament run for them was almost as impressive as the NCAA tournament run, um, just considering what they were coming off of at the end of the season. 
mean, that, that's when I think the whole college basketball world was kind of put on notice um, after the after the win over Kansas and the win over North Carolina. North Carolina was the one where people weren't really giving them much of a shot. I obviously didn't either. Um, but when the three-point shots start falling for Auburn, really anything can go. And I think that's probably some reason for confidence for Auburn fans going into the Final Four is that the three-point shot wasn't falling incredibly well against Kentucky. Like I said, they only made, I think it was 7 of 25, 7 of 26 or something like that. Um, yeah, everything wasn't really going for them, and it was a lot of Bryce Brown having to do it in the second half. So Bruce Wells was finding a way to win with these guys. Like I said, it's a lot of defense. Um, but now they've got you know, probably their toughest matchup in the tournament thus far in Virginia, a team that holds teams shooting 28% from beyond the arc. Obviously, they're big, obviously they're physical, and obviously I think the number one thing is they love to slow the game down. We all know that by now. Um, <laughs> Auburn would rather play every possession a fast break. Now, you know, my next question for you is when we talk about Bruce Pearl, and you've mentioned him, you know, a lot of this is because of the coach, right? And I, a lot of people don't talk about Bruce Pearl. People talk about uh, Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, they talk about Jim Beheim. They talk about Roy Williams. They talk about all these coaches. But, you know, Bruce Pearl always uh, fails to get mentioned. Talk about how good of a coach is Bruce Pearl and how underrated is he? Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's definitely up there. You've got to consider him as one of the top ten coaches in the country, I think. Yeah, everywhere he's gone, he's turned them into a winner, um, and he's rebuilt the program quickly. I mean, the fact that this was, I would say, five years ago when he took over Auburn basketball was either the worst team in the SEC or the second worst. Um, every single year, um, there's a horrendous ending with Tony Barbie there, absolutely nothing going right. In the span of five years, he has won an SEC title in the regular season, won an SEC title again in the postseason. Last year, he got them back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in forever. And now he's got them on their best season ever. And the crazy part is, and, and the reason why Bruce Pearl is one of the best coaches in the country, in my opinion, is because he is doing this with not necessarily the most talented roster um, in the country. I think no one would disagree that Auburn had the least talented roster in that league. Day. I think everyone would say that. Um, and they probably got the least talented roster right now. But it's just like I said before, he plays to these guys' strengths. Um, he's got a very stubborn system. You can read some great stories about guys like Samir Dowdy, who came in, a VCU transfer. Um, and they didn't even understand the system at first. They were wondering, why the heck are we taking all these ridiculous shots from three-point range? And then Bruce Pearl was kind of to break it to him straight. Uh, that's what we do. We take a lot of threes, and there's really not anything, you know, there's no such thing as a bad shot. Um, he's making sure guys play to their defensive intensity. He knows his guys really, really well. I think in a few years, and this is kind of going back to the point of, Bruce Paul being one of the best coaches is that in a few years when he's building up this program with the recruits that he has completely recruited, um, they've got a top 10 class coming in right now, four and five star guys, and they could add more five stars. There's two five stars that they're pretty much leading for right now. When he's got those guys in a few years, and I think he's got them a perennial, you know, NCAA tournament contender, we are going to look back on this season with these players, not to take anything away from them because they're incredible, what Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, all these guys are able to do is incredible. We're going to look back and say, how in the world did he take them to the Final Four with this kind of talent? Um, so, you know, it, it's just, it just speaks to his coaching ability and it speaks to how much his guys love him and how much they want to play for him. You know, and it's interesting, too, in, in a year where everybody's been looking like there's no Cinderella, there's no Cinderella, Auburn's kind of become that Cinderella. Wouldn't you agree? For sure, yeah. I mean, the fact that they're the only five seed um, to make it out of the first round I thought was really impressive. And then, you know, when Oregon, when it was just them in Oregon, they were the lowest seeds, and then Oregon got bounced. Um, I think probably the reason for that is that, you know, you were saying earlier, people don't really want to talk about Bruce Pearl, essentially, um, as a guy that's a top 10 coach. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of have some negative vibes around him. You know, his name carries a negative connotation because of the NCAA violations that he's had in the past. Um, I think, you know, he, he's, he's walked that road. I think he's worked off those things. Um, in my opinion, and there's a lot worse guys in college basketball, I think, in terms of uh, violations and, and wrongdoings at a coaching position. I think that's probably the main reason people want to write off Auburn and not say they're the Cinderella. Um, but they've been the lowest seed now for a while, and they're in the Final Four for the first time ever. I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for them now. 
You know, Bruce Pearl, he said something on College Day and Game Day really about four or five days ago, I think. And, you know, what he was talking about is he was talking about he wants Auburn to be known as a basketball school, right? That, that's what most college basketball coaches you want. You want your school to be known as a basketball school. He's like, everybody knows Auburn for being a football school. You think Bruce Pearl's finally done? You think we're going to start talking about Auburn? Like, that's a place where you go and you can develop and you can grow as a basketball player. Yeah, and also just talk about the vibe on campus, you know, because you because you mentioned that, and that's really important when you talk about is this becoming a basketball pool as, a, as opposed to a football school. Just talk about the vibe on campus with all the students. Contend with you, you know. Part you need a couple bandwagon fans for this thing to work, right? You need a couple bandwagon fans. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's inevitable. It happens every time. Yeah, and you do. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta compete with everybody else because yeah. everyone else shows how high yeah. if, if there's truly a wave, you need a couple bandwagon fans. You just can't have, can't have a bunch of diehards. It's just not really a wave. At least that's the way I think about it. Uh, yeah, honestly, it's probably the mark of a good program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, I mean, people just like it just for the brand name. Uh, now, Auburn versus Virginia. Give me a score. What do you think will happen? Yeah, so like I said, this is this is an incredibly difficult matchup for Auburn. Um, but I've been saying that the entire tournament. I mean, what, what's, what's changed? They're playing another basketball powerhouse. Like, and, um, you know, in terms of Virginia's ability to defend, um, they've got some of the quickest guards in the country who are going to be able to defend Jared Harper. You know, is he going to be able to get to the basket? for them is playing incredible. Um, that's a guy that I compare to Reed Travis. I compare to P.J. Washington in terms of how in the world is Auburn going to defend him without Shino Otiki. Otiki was their best steals guy, their best rebounder, and their best post defender. And somehow they were able to survive P.J. Washington. I know he kind of got his in that game, um, but the backup for Otiki, Daniel Purifoy, I thought played really well on the defensive end. Um, Samir Dowdy is a guy you're going to have to look out for, like I've been talking about. Um, he's a backup two-guard. He's one of the best defenders on the team. Malik Dunbar is their starting small forward. He's kind of like a bigger shooting guard um, with their small ball lineup. 
his ability to block and defend shots on the defensive end is incredible. Um, so I'm going to have to play a great defense game, I think. That being said, I would love for it to just turn into Kyle Guy versus Price Brown, like Kyle Guy versus Carson Edwards in the Elite Eight. I would love for that to happen. Just give me a Kyle Guy versus Price Brown shootout where they're playing off each other's energy at both ends like Carson Edwards did. Um, but I think these two teams defend too well. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than Auburn is maybe used to, which goes in Virginia's favor. You know, as you know, they're a team that likes to play slow, um, and Tony Bennett really knows how to break you down over the course of the game. Um, if I'm going to have to make a pick, I'm going to pick Virginia, probably by a basket or two. Um, but that being said, I picked North Carolina, I picked Kentucky, um, and it didn't really work out for me. Um, and it worked out pretty well for Auburn's favor. So I think Auburn fans pretty much want me to pick against them at this point. So I'm going to continue to do that. Um, but the thing is, if Auburn can keep this thing close late, like I talked about, Jared Harper and Bryce Brown have been unbelievable in this tournament. Um, they're some of the clutchest guys in the country. Um, you know, one of the best backcourt duos, I think, in the SEC in the entire country. If Auburn can at least keep this game close, uh, maybe we can see some Final Four magic because I think Harper and Brown definitely have, them, have it in them they create at the end of the game, they can create their own shots. Um, but if I had to give a pick, I'd probably pick Virginia by five or six points. Now, and you want to know what, too? I think part of the reason why, I think this is actually a favorable matchup for Auburn because Virginia does play that death style, and I will keep pounding that. And I was like, the day I die. I do not think that death style of play that Virginia runs can win a championship because every game they play in is going to be close, no matter who it is, no matter what the talent level. So you're always going to be in the game with them. Now, can you score at the end? That's just the question of that. Um, yeah, for sure. That's the question of them being able to score at the end, I think, because Virginia does defend so well down the end. If we're talking about good coach, good coaches in college basketball, how about Tony Bennett um, and the job he's done with this team to get them turned around, you know, you know, face away, get the monkey off your back of the Sweet 16 or the 16th seed upset and get these guys focused for a Final Four. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is one of Auburn's toughest matchups of the whole year. But like you said, you know, if they can keep it close, anything can happen. Now, just tell me about the Michigan State-Texas Tech matchup. Who do you have getting out of that one? My pick to win it all currently is Michigan State, so I've got to have them winning it. Um, I think there's something to be said for the coaching job Tom Izzo is doing. Um, I understand there's a lot of buzz around Cassius Winston right now, um, the star Michigan State guard, um, but he's not the most athletic guy in the world either. Izzo, I think, is doing a comparable coaching job to Bruce Pearl, and that's that he's, you know, he's had some injuries this year. Um, you know, Ward can't seem to stay healthy for them. I think that he is doing one of the better coaching jobs because of what he's doing with this talent, his ability to coach him up. Now, Texas Tech, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Ken Palm statistic, but they've got the best defense currently in the Ken Palm era. This is the best defense in recent history of college basketball. You know, how are they going to die? And defense wins championships. Um, I personally would love to see a Texas Tech-Auburn final. You know, one of the most prolific offenses of this tournament, you know, probably of this season. The, you know, the run-and-gun three-point shooting of Bruce Pearl versus the best defense in college basketball you know, in recent history. I would love to see that. Um, but I've got Michigan State taking that one. I'm, you know, if I had to pick, it would probably be a Michigan State-Virginia final. Nathan, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. I cannot name my opposition. I can say that I like. And if you step in my position, you would say that I'm right. I'm like Tyson in the booth, but I don't talk with a list. I see you trying to run your mouth. You look like Stephen A. Smith. I thank God the odds against me, but I'm coming out strong. I survived a heat check, but now I'm back like LeBron. Oh, oh we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We have a very special guest with us, Howard Wood. Former Tennessee Volunteer All-American. How you doing, Howard? I'm doing well, Dale. Thank you. Now, first thing I have to ask you. So, so what happened to your team? What happened to the Tennessee Volunteers in the Sweet 16? I believe they lost to Purdue. Well, what happened that game? You know, honestly, I I don't know. You know, when uh, when I get watching games like that, and I actually left the house. I turned it off, and I couldn't take it. I, um, I, I did, you know, when you play, you know, since you have uh, an impact on the game, you're not nervous. But when you're sitting there watching it on TV or listening to it, you know, the nerves just, you know, took over and I ended up leaving. But but one thing is, I mean, you can't get down, you know, on these terms that much in, in the first half. Uh, you know, you fight back, you fight back, you fight back, you know, tie the game or take the lead or whatever. And then you can just see in the overtime, I mean, they were just dead. You know, it looked like they had just resigned themselves to the defeat. And I would just sad to see. 
Now, you, you tune it off at halftime, and I'm assuming that's because the Volunteers, they were getting blown out by Purdue at halftime. Yeah, I actually went to the car wash, you know, and I'm sitting in there while they you got the big uh, drying thing going over the car, you know, and I ended up slipping it back on my phone, you know, to check the score, you know, and every time I did, you know, cut the lead, cut the lead, so I went back home and, and uh, you know, kept slipping it on and off, and like I say, we were down four, then we, we were tied, then we were up two with two free throws. Then I turned it back off, and then I turned it back on with the tide again. So, and what I should have done on that last shot, I should have left the TV off. It seemed like every time I turned it off, something good happened. So when I decided to walk in, you know, that foul, which I don't believe was a foul, um, you know, in those, in those cases, I, I like to let the, uh, you know, let, let the players decide the game, not the officials. You know, and although it wasn't a game loser for Tennessee, it, it did give me ability to tie now to one of the teams that's in the final four the auburn tigers really a team that's kind of been like the bottom of the sec for years they've never been up there with teams like tennessee and kentucky how surprised are you auburn's had this shocking run all the way to the final four you know i mean it's pretty surprising you know um not so much if you know you know what type of coach you know coach pearl is i know he was at tennessee before um, on other places, so you know, you know, he was. They were going to come there high energy, you know, high basketball, uh, basketball IQ, and uh, smart players. And then you had that point guard that they have. I mean, the guy, you know, is virtually unstoppable. You know, you get in front of him when you pull up on him, and he'll drive by you, lay up on him, and hit the jump shot. So I mean, you know, they they got they, what they call the big ball. You know, they got the ball going. So they're going to be a tough team to beat. You know, and actually playing. Without one of their best players, I mean, they have nothing to lose. They can go out there, relax, and uh, just do their thing. And you know, I mean, I'm, I'm always my SEC school, so uh, you know, let's hope uh, you know we can do our best to do their thing. Now, right, you mentioned Bruce Pearl spent a little bit of time at, at Tennessee. What type of what, what type of coach is Bruce Pearl? Because I feel like he's a, he's one of the more underrated coaches in college basketball, right? People don't talk about him like the Coach K's, the Coach Calipari's. What makes uh, Coach Bruce Pearl such a such a good coach? You know, I believe, you know, one of the things, I mean, that the, the kid, the, the players seem to buy into what he's trying to teach them. You know, and that's the main thing. Um, you know, all these kids, you know, come from different areas, different programs. You know, once everybody buys into the coach, you know, to what he's trying to teach him and the staff are trying to teach, you know, that's the first big step. Um, you know, he's high energy. You know, both all things defense, they defend very well. Um, they move the ball well, and they got shooters. You know, they have knockdown shooters, you know, and they, and, and they have some size. You know, they're not huge, but they have size. You know, you combine all that, and, and, and you know, like I say, in, in, in these type of, you know, tournaments, you know, seed doesn't really mean anything. I mean, I'm assuming they have to do that to, to make a schedule out, but, you know, the number one can have a bad day, number 15 have a great day, and the tournament's over for the number one. So, you know, it's, so it's kind of surprising, but on these type of tournaments, everybody can beat everybody. Now, when people talk about college basketball, you know, they usually talk about the ACC. They talk about the Big Ten. I feel like people sleep on the ACC, but the ACC, they've had a great tournament. Kentucky, Kentucky was the Elite Eight. You have Auburn there in the Final Four. Tennessee was in uh, the Sweet 16. You have a lot of good play in the SEC. Well, why do you think people sleep on SEC basketball? You know, I mean, you just saw, you know, other than Kentucky, you don't have the really big, big, big main, main schools. So you go to the ACC, they'll have like a Duke or like a Virginia, North Carolina. You know, those are the, the, a lot of, you know, the teams that are on, you know, a lot of people, that's what they talk about, the college basketball. But um, little by little, you know, the SEC is starting to pick up. You know, like I say, Kentucky's always been there. You know, Tennessee, you know, I think, it, you know, the amount of weeks the number one in the country this year. Um, you know, LSU's tough. You know, so, you know, Auburn in the final four, like you said. So, you know, they're not going to be able to sleep much longer. You know, it seems like people think of the SEC as like a football conference, you know, the Alabama, Florida, you know, Georgia, you know, Auburn, all these teams, you know, not basketball, but, you know, basketball, basketball is big in the SEC and it gets bigger every year. Well, uh, you know, right in the Final Four, Duke lost. Uh, there's Virginia. There's Auburn, uh, Michigan State, uh, Texas Tech. All these teams are veteran teams with uh, three, four-year players. Uh, what, what do you think that's to be said? Because I think a lot of time, and really, 
the whole uh, everybody they picked Duke to go. They picked the the young freshman team. What do you think it says that we have you know veteran teams uh, quote unquote in the Final Four instead of you know the young freshman super team? You know I um you know I kind of believe, you know, and I, I like that. You know, last year, believe with Loyola, Loyola of Chicago, you know, they had a freshman team. You know, these, these, you know, I don't want one of them, like, used to win, but they play lower, you know, major teams. You know, they don't have guys usually that, that are one and done. So these guys are playing their whole career there. So you get the, you know, the college of the game, um, a college game. You know, you get the maturity mentally and physically. You know, you're there with your teammates three or four years where these teams like a Kentucky that are, you know, the guys are one and done. You know, they have to incorporate three, four, five guys in their star lineup every year because they're losing them. You know, so you stay and you stay and you see the guys who have long college careers and come out. You know, like I said, Tim Duncan, Kemba Walker, those type guys have long careers. So many of the young guys, you know, after their first NBA contracted up, they're done. You know, you know, I guess like I say, it could be the knowledge of the game, the maturity level, for whatever reason. I believe that you can get you a couple of years. Not get a guy like Zion, I mean, you know, you know, that's 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 a different case. But for the most part, I, I like to see the guys stay in and get a couple of years under their belt. But, you know, the money nowadays that they're playing this play is so enticing. I also don't believe it. Now now when you when you look at Duke, right, uh they have a couple of players like, you know, I think you can make the argument both uh, Cam Reddish and Trey Jones, they should both stay another year. I think it would help both of them to stay another year. I think there's no reason for them to go to the NBA besides the fact that Cam Reddish is probably going to be a top five pick, but I don't think he's going to be ready to contribute any meaningful minutes. And Trey Jones, I'm pretty right. sure, won't be able to be able to contribute. So why do you think guys like that that actually need that extra year, Kyle, just decide to go to the NBA anyway? Well, you know, I mean, once, once, once you decide upon a guy like those guys to go out, know you're going to get top five if you can like this. I mean, you're like you said, at 20, 19, 20 years old. And, um, you know, some guys will just try to learn on the fly in the league rather than, you know, take that extra year college, you know, to perfect and hold their game a little bit more. But like I said, you know, it's it, it, it a toss-up for me. I mean, I understand, you know, why these guys leave. But I also, you know, like I said, you look at guys, maybe like when Kawhi Leonard came out, his body was already built for the NBA. You know, these guys, you know, they, they got to pack up some pounds, some muscle, and, and some strength. You know, and this is an idea I've always had. This is what I think the NBA and both the NCAA should try to do. And I want to know your opinion on this. So what I think they should do is, you know, right, if you want to come out of high school for those Zions, for those LeBrons, for those freaking natures, if you want to come out of high school, you know, be my guest. You can do that, right? But if you decide to go to college, decide to play college basketball, you have to stay for at least two years. How do you like that rule? How do you like, would like if that was a rule that was instituted? You know, I mean, uh, you know, like you said, that's the, that's the, that's the, um, You know, that's a tough call. You know, I definitely want to be the one making that decision. 
Now, when it comes to Zion, right, I, I saw I saw a report. I was actually on Facebook, which is why it was actually ended up not being too valid. But I saw it was like Zion Williams is thinking about staying another year. And I was like, hold up, hold on. I was like, now this is the definition of fake news when this report said Zion Williamson is thinking about staying another year because I guess he was sa- he was sad about their loss to Michigan State. Because I was like, there's no way he would stay. But like, let's think in a theoretical world, an imaginary world, an imaginary world, he would stay. How big do you think that would be for college basketball? What type of shock waves do you think that would send throughout the basketball landscape? Oh, it would be huge. It would be huge. I mean, for him to come back, I mean, look what he draws. You know what I mean? He's like an NBA superstar as a college freshman. I mean, he's got NBA superstars going to watch him play. And I mean, and, and, and I mean, look what the kid can do. But then again, you know, I mean, you know, you got to put yourself into one, some of these young guys, you know, mind. Um, do you really want to take that chance on winning a college championship? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that's used to a lot of these guys. And he knows he's going to be paid. So, so I mean, you know, I, I doubt that it'll happen. But, I mean, I, I could see it. You know, I could see it. I mean, there's still some things in his game that he can still get better at. I mean, that everybody can. But, I mean, you know, you don't, you know, you, you, know, you want to be a knockdown shooter. I mean, you know, that, that's what's going to happen. And, then, I mean, he's going to... I think be a success in the NBA, I believe, but it's not going to be like the one from Tyler. Now, you got other guys, you know, he's going to have a day going target on his, on his back every game he got there. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't believe it, although I could see it. I could see it. Now, what did you think of the, the, the situation earlier in the year when Zion Williamson, he blew out his shoe, and then uh, there were a lot of people that were saying he should just sit out the rest of the season. Uh I was a proponent of that because I think you need that time to develop. And I think, you know, basketball players, they do what? They play basketball. Uh, do you think Zion made the right decision continuing to play? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I believe it was Jalen Holmes who was, you know, was dogging some of those guys that said that. He was like, man, with all that hurt, man, can you sit out? You know, first of all, you got to understand this playing team, he's not, not bigger than you, not bigger than this team, so he's not, he's not bigger than the game. So, you know, you know guys, you know, the people at the university, you know, they, 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 they kind of bank on him coming there and helping them bring that title in. So if you're able to play, you play. You know, I don't believe that's not because of, you know, he's going to go first to get now. No, you went there for a reason. I know you went there also to get yourself ready for the NBA. But think about your teammates. You know, think about the trust, you know, and the hope they put on on each show. Those other 12, 14, 15, whatever it is, the people in the school. You know, so I've known, you know, I, I could you know, be with, you know, stand myself if I did, because I was a caliber player like him and had been injured, and but now I was able to play and not playing. I, I just just don't see me doing that. And I was totally 150% believe he should have played. Now, now, and the interesting about that is that there were a lot of uh, national media members, like prominent national media members, and a lot of people saying he should sit down. People were saying he was stupid for coming back. He doesn't know what he was doing. And while Zion's different right now because he wants to play, Zion might not be different from the next superstar that comes in. And they might start to hear it and be like, you know what? I'm going to be a top three pick. You, you know, I mean, why not just protect myself and call it quits? How do you think the NCAA can evolve that happening? Because that would not be good. No, it would be terrible. I mean, and you know you don't want to ever have to you know even think about setting that precedent. Yeah, how can you play? And I'm like, guys, you know what though? Um, I um, I, you know, I, I I coached here for a while, and um, you know, we had girls you know, on the stuff. They didn't want to work out, and then there was the last game of the season we played. Um, they didn't want to go because there was a threat of stuff. But anyway, you know, and I and I and I, and I bring up the case of this one girl. Um, who was the only thing she had a, a, a terrible sprain. To the only thing she wanted to do was to score basket in the college game. I mean, they sold out the arena, and to make a long story short, the girl ended up scoring two baskets, and then a short while later, she passed away. So, you know what I mean? For that girl, that's what her dream was to be able to play in the college game and score basket. And that's what her dream was in life, knowing that she was about to pass away. It, you know, how did you live with yourself knowing you're healthy, and you were brought there to help this team win? And then, you know, you sit out anyway just because you want to protect the future. I don't believe in that. Uh, it, I mean, I could never do that. You know, and I, I hope these guys are smart enough, you know, and, and I can say, think that, you know, I'm not bigger than Duke or Tennessee or whatever university I'm bigger than the game. I'm not bigger than my teammates. 
And not only that, because we know you know you're not bigger than the universe, you're not bigger than the coach, you're not bigger than your teammates, right? The institution. How does that affect you as a basketball player? Because I can make the argument. I want your opinion. This because you were a player and, and you coach basketball. How does that affect your development? That can't be good for your development, right? No, I mean you know somebody like him. I mean it's not killing. You know if he sat the rest of the season um, out, you know and you can look at Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks who didn't play at all last year. You know, but he went and worked on his game. And, and it continues to work on it, continues to get better. So that that's not uh, such of a big worry for me as, as all, you know, the optics of it all. You know, see this guy out there watching his team, they go out there and bust their behind. And what are you going to do, not practice too? You know what I mean? You're not, you're not going to go out there and get everything in practice. You need to help them make better themselves. You know what I'm saying? So, so you know, it's not just the game. It's like, okay, if, you know, you're, you're a fan or something like that. Or even a teammate. I'm watching this guy go out there and bust his tail every day, killing everybody in practice every day, but then not able to play the game. Well, I, I have an issue with that. Now, you know I mean, I have an issue with that. And me as a player, you know, my character was, you know, I beg Barn Steel with everybody not to let it happen. You know, even if that's what the coaches wanted, you know, no, I want to play. You know, I'm a basketball player. I want to play. Period. Now, uh, I believe you came on my show last year, I think around this time, and uh, I actually was like, we'd ever see another LeBron James. And then you mentioned Zion Williamson. You actually, you mentioned Zion Williamson. He's like, this kid in high school right now, he, he's going to be special. What did you see out of Zion that, make you think, that made you think he could be this good? Um, well, you know, when I first saw him, he was talking about 20, 30, 40 pounds heavier than he was. And you could see everything he could do then. And I knew once he got to college, you know, and I actually from the straight, so they were going to take those pounds off. They were going to make him bigger, stronger, faster. And seeing what he did, they're like, yeah, I was, you know, I know that's a good high school. I'm like, this, you know, I'm not rocking. I'm not even looking at his opponent. I'm just watching him, what he did. With that body and being a lefty. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I think, you know, I don't know the effect that one of my forte was. I hated playing that. You know, but this guy, had, you could just see he had all the tools. And what I liked most about him was his attitude. You know, the guy wasn't a prima donna. He didn't go out there like I'm the best in the world, blah, blah, blah. He always seems to be humble when he's, you know, interviewed and, and, uh, and giving the, you know, credit where it's due, not taking it all out himself. And, you know, it just, just, you know, his demeanor, you know, you can kind of tell. And that he didn't also look like he had a better jumper than LeBron did at the same time. You know, and, and I think that's evident now. You know, the Bronx still not a great shooter before as great of a ball player as he is. How good do you think Zion can be in the NBA? Oh, he could be dominant. He could be a damn good player. You know, but like I said, you know, you, you got to know now, you know, everybody for 82 games is going to come at you as hard as they can come. Everybody. You know, in college, they can try, but you know, a lot of times, you know, their bodies, they could match up now. You're going to have somebody like can bang with them every night. And instead of 30 games, you're going to be playing 82. You know what I mean? So it's, it's going to be different. It's going to take some getting used to, but I think he'll be an NBA star. I really do. Now, now, my my one concern about Zion is, you know, you mentioned he lost a lot of weight, but my question would be, he's still kind of a big guy. And he's oh, six, huge. Yeah, no, he's 6'7", 285, and... I think he'd be the second heaviest player in the NBA. Like, he'll be the second heaviest player in the NBA when he hits the floor, right, this rookie year. Would you be concerned about the weight? And then my next question would be, he's so explosive, he jumps up and down. Jumping up is the problem, but going down with so much explosiveness and power and his weight, that can't be good for your knees. Nah, you know what, though? I don't worry about that. You know, the trainers and everything in the NBA is so darn good. I mean, they're going to do what's right. You know, because, I mean, LeBron might not have been 285 when he came up. He was pretty darn big, too. You know, he was, and look at this, you know, all, all those years, you know, and, 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 and it's not just the years that he played. Was, you know, a few guys that played, you know, you know, the years like LeBron, but, I mean, to be able to play all of them at that level, every night I know and be the man, be the man, but, you know, that, 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 that's number one on the scout, on the scout report, that they're going to come at you every single game to be able to do that so well for so long, you know, as an attestant to him, but also the people that I handle and took care of him. So he'll be fine. You know, he'll be he'll be fine. 
So he'll be probably come off a few more pounds in the NBA. Um, and be quick still. I mean, the guy's right quick now. I mean, he switches out on guards and have a hard time getting by him. So, so, you know, he, he's got the tools. He's got the tools, definitely has them. You know, now let's just, like I said, let's just see what, you know, what this next level is going to bring for him. Now, I have to ask you, so who do you have winning the, the both Final Four games, right? We have Auburn and we have Virginia. And then on the other side, we have Texas Tech versus Michigan State. Who do you have winning those two games? Well, you know what, though? I, I like to say, I mean, if I had to wish, I'd go Auburn Michigan State. You know, Auburn is up there in SEC school. Um, and, you know, and I've always liked Michigan State. I'm back and she talks about it all the time. She loves it. And uh, I just, just like just like Coach, too. You know, so, you know, that would be a good final for me. And I would like to see the Auburn's guard against uh, that Michigan State guard, too. That should be a good matchup. And, and, my, last and my last question for you is, uh, I asked you, who was the one, one time, I believe, last time you came on the show, I asked you, who's the best basketball player you've ever seen? You said Michael Jordan. And a lot of younger people like my age, they always say LeBron. And LeBron's kind of had a bit of a struggle this year, and I think more people are starting to say, he's not the best player of all time. Okay, Michael Jordan was better. Can you just say again, how good was Michael Jordan in his prime? Great. I um, I opened this gym on Saturdays uh, with the kids out here, too, and then uh, he was closing down last week. The kid asked me the same question. I'm like, you know, I said, for me, I'm like, I said, you know, by that time, it's not even close. You know, MJ is MJ. You know what I mean? I mean, for me, there's they're no better. You know, I mean, he 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 was the best. He had everything, and he was he was tough. And he was only six six. But what he what he did, you know, what what he was able to accomplish. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Brown is a fantastic player, but then again, then and then there's you know there's Mike, and then there's Bless. For me. Okay. So there's there's levels to this. There's levels. I'm sorry? There's levels to it, is what you're saying. There's levels. Well, I mean, I mean, not that there's levels, but I, I just think he was head so In my book, it's just, it makes a lot of people disagree. You know, I think he was better than anybody that played the game. Just watch what he did in, in the era that he did it in. You know, he didn't have the flavors. You know, he's got a lot of these guys not crying. You know, like they dunk on and flex, but then they get bumped and don't get caught, and they cry. You never saw my cry. Never saw my cry. Mike was tough as they come. You know what I mean? And, and, and he, he just, you know, he was just a ball player. You know, uh, worked on his game, worked on his game. You know, I was in Chicago when uh, he was a rookie. And I, I remember, you know, doing the practice and watching him shoot. You know, he wasn't a great shooter. And look how he ended up being a great shooter. You know, that's an attestment to his work ethic and, and everything else like that. You know, the other players they talk about, you know, didn't quite get and take that up. You know, LeBron is big. He's not that shooter MJ was. You know, I'm sorry. He's just not. You know, I also believe that, you know, there's probably more athleticism in the league now, but it was tougher when MJ came out. You know, you, you, you know, you got, you got, you got, yeah, it was tough. You know, you got, you got the tempting, the bruised brothers, you got, you know, you're going up against guys like that. You know, I mean, LA was big, tough, and, you know, you got these guys. And he handled them. Howard, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And again, I want to thank Howard uh, Howard Wood for coming on the show. Also, want to again thank I want to thank Nathan King for coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate both of them taking time out of their very busy schedules to come on the podcast. Show's winding down. Can't wait for this Final Four. I'm going to give my predictions now, right? Really quickly, right? I have about a minute left. I have Auburn. I'm beating Virginia. Virginia's still suspect to me after they lost the one seed. Uh, they were one seed last year and lost 16 seed. To me, Virginia, they play good defense. They hit three-point shots. But when you play that slow-down pace, it, you tend to be in close games with inferior teams, inferior competition. And I think that's. I think Auburn's going to sneak one out. I think Auburn is going to sneak one out. Auburn and Bruce Pearl, they're going to sneak one out. On the other side... Texas Tech's playing hella good basketball. They're, they're playing very good basketball, but I'm going with Izzo. I'm going with Cassius Winston. That's my guy Noah's guy. My friend Noah Taluki went to high school with Cassius Winston. Cassius Winston, the best point guard in the country. You could even easily make that argument, right? I'm going to go with Cassius Winston. Tom Izzo, Michigan State, meeting Auburn. 
in the NCAA tournament and NCAA finals. And I got Tom Izzo, Michigan State, getting it done for the first time since 2000 when Tom Izzo won his first NCAA championship. And that's it for this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. <laughs>